4: Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR Saturday morning 702 on Sports Radio 950 KJR comcast SportsNet Northwest around the country on the uh... The iHeart Radio app. We've actually had a couple of questions on Facebook, uh, trying to find the location. Just go if you're if you're wherever you happen to be located, Michigan, Tennessee, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Go to iHeart and uh, search for Sports Radio 950
5: KJR. It's not under Northwest Wild Country. It's under Sports Radio 950 Correct. KJR. You can hear it anywhere you've got a cell phone mm-hmm. signal. Yeah, and that that uh, community of folks following nationwide is growing. Shangle. it's kind of impressive.
4: It is. It is indeed. So we are we are in the uh, the uh, the midst of uh, There are a lot of. Issues, I guess you would say, Dwayne. I mean, there's a lot of hot, I guess, hot button issues going on right now, and one of those, of course, is the prioritization of our fishing resources.
5: Yeah, absolutely. There are a number of things, as there usually are at the beginning of each year. Legislative session gets in, a lot of bills come forward. People, uh, you know, trying to grasp a hold and get educated on a lot of this stuff, and that's where we kind of come in as weed through this stuff and and uh, get going. And so this morning, welcoming Representative Brian Blake uh, joining us to discuss the issue at uh, at hand, uh, House Bill 1229. Good morning, Brian. How you doing, man? Good morning. Uh, hey, thanks. Doing, for,
6: doing pretty good. Thanks for taking I the, wish I was duck hunting today, but it doesn't look <laughs> like it's in the cards.
5: Well, you only got two days <laughs> left. You're, so you're, you're running, running out of time. Yeah, running out of time. Out of time so. Uh, Joel and I are once again uh, glad that you can take time to, to join us. Obviously, you've been presented a house bill again that very much resembles 1660 that came across your desk two years ago. Uh, this yeah. one would prioritize recreational fishing, and, and we're not going to kind of beat around, Brian. I mean, we, we know kind of where you sit uh, as the chair and, and what your ideas on this are. I guess I myself, Joel, and the room full of uh, recreational folks here and all those that are listening— Kind of want to get your spin on uh, why you would probably not favor this in moving it forward to get a hearing. What's in the bill that you don't like, I guess, uh, is where we could start. Well, one,
6: I think the bill's unnecessary. I'm not sure we anywhere in the state where we don't already have sports priority. Um, uh, in Puget Sound we've had sports priority for, I believe, 30 years on Coho and Chinook. Uh, the Grace Harbor plan is sports priority. The Willapa plan is sports priority. The Columbia River plan is sports priority. So I'm I'm not sure why the bill is even necessary.
5: Well, if uh, if it's pretty much gone that way anyway, what would be the harm in giving it a hearing to let your constituents in the House of Reps actually hear what the bill is all about and decide it co- committee wise if it deserves to move forward versus. Dying on the floor at your uh, at your decision
6: well I, I think the the bill is divisive and not productive. I think that I think uh, you know there are those who believe that the future uh, for uh, recovering salmon is to destroy other salmon fisheries and I don't think that uh, is true as as I've said in the past uh, Puget Sound has sports priority for for decades, and I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that uh, anybody can say that it's helped the sports fisheries in Puget Sound, multiple uh, uh, ESA runs. Um, uh, Did you guys even get a fishery in Puget Sound last year? Uh, After decades of sports priority, I mean, you can look north to examples of what... uh, Sports priority is done to the Kenai River uh, and the Chinook up there uh, virtually destroyed the run of, of uh, Chinook on the Kenai. And so I, I don't think it's a good strategy for improving fisheries. For sports fishermen,
5: I don't think we can take a, uh, a 2,000 foot look at the last two seasons in Puget Sound, Brian, fairly and and ascertain that you know based on sports priority, that is why we have the debacle referencing you know the the outcome of our coho fisheries and, and the direction some of the salmon seasons or the Chinook seasons were set. Uh, we we had an ocean condition that was extremely unfavorable. We had a tremendous die off, warm water, the blob, the whole thing that we've been tracking for the last two years. It was very uncharacteristic. It was an anomaly uh, at, at most, and it resulted in a tremendous decline, not just for recreational fishing, uh, coho in Puget Sound, but statewide. We had, we had lack of coho everywhere. And then going into 2016, uh, WDFW kind of approached it with kid gloves, and they opted to not set seasons going into it with a lucrative harvest. They kind of incrementally just uh, built seasons as it projected, uh, and test fisheries provided data that would support that we could target fish. And, of course, the Chinook fisheries were based off of the low coho return. So not every season is set in Puget Sound with uh, with a recreational fishery that's just full-on, and that is not the reason for the decline in Puget Sound. And I guess, uh, I guess my question would be if, again, if we're primarily focused on recreational throughout the state already uh, – I don't see a huge change coming if we we're to allow this bill to move forward and get a hearing from, from your folks. Uh, and the other thing is I know you've gone on record in saying when we do prioritize fishing recreational, WDFW does a really poor job at, at planting hatchery fish. Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about what your thoughts are in regards to that because to me it doesn't make any sense. I have yet to see where when we remove commercial harvest and gillnets out of certain areas and prioritize recreational – WDFD is cutting back on a tremendous amount of hatchery programs.
6: So uh, as many of you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, furious with Fish and Wildlife for cutting hatchery production in the Willapaw system by 35%, and was furious at uh, many of the uh, sports fishing advocates that supported that 35% cut in hatchery production in Willapaw. I think it was a tragedy. I think it's going to ruin opportunity for sports fishermen in the Willapa. I think we're underproducing in Grays Harbor. I just talked to the hatchery manager up at Hump Tulips. Um, We have put uh, a lot of money into modernizing that hatchery. It's running at 40% of its capacity. Mm -hmm. That's a tragedy. We should have another... uh, 500,000 early coho and another 500,000 late coho in hump tulips. Uh, it can handle it. The system can handle it. We've got to push this commission uh, to increase production instead of decrease production. And, uh, you know, there's a long sorted history of, uh, of, uh, Uh, Our hatchery system, you don't have to go back many years. Uh, When these hatcheries were installed, uh, uh, the fisheries department physically barred the wild fish from getting upstream of the hatchery. Um, uh, Reading some of the practices, uh, it was the state of Washington that destroyed the native genetics in our river systems. And... uh, we certainly have to work towards restoring individual runs on these rivers. Hatchery production will be a part of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
6: uh, I'm, uh, I'm working this year to uh, see if we can't increase production at our hatchery system. Uh, to me, the uh, the enemy here is those who are trying to destroy our hatchery production in the Columbia River, in Willipaw, Grays Harbor, and uh, our Puget Sound hatcheries. A couple of
5: co- uh, things, Brian. I know the. Uh, I know there seems to be a reduction as of late in the percentage, as you quoted for Willapa. But the the reality there is, we've taken uh, a percentage of the pressure of the commercial fleet out of Grays Harbor and have given them pretty lucrative days at times when the fisheries allow in the Willapa area. So I I can't believe that we're talking. Uh, cut back on commercials and they cut back on hatchery production when we know for certain Willapa gets more commercial pressure than Grays Harbor. And you're saying simultaneously that we're also cutting hatchery there. So that there doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and we also know that some of these hatcheries are held back on production until they get a handle on this wild fish return, ESA impacts, all those things. There's a lot more yeah, but going
6: on. There's no ESA fish not in Grays Willipaw. Harbor.
5: I understand that. But like in Puget yeah. Sound, you know, there is. And so they're they're bound by hatchery production, uh, co-siding with their uh, uh, plans to enhance or, or get these ESA numbers back up. So that's, that's a whole other thing in Puget Sound we're dealing with. But uh, I do agree with you, and I appreciate the efforts you're putting in out at uh, Grays Harbor and the Hump Tulips Hatchery. You're right. We get we need to get the commission to produce more hatchery fish. And I also appreciate the efforts you're putting in for getting the upper stretches of the Hump Tulips open for access. But, um, you know, the bottom line is we're we're looking at this House Bill 1229, I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, plus all the recreational community out there that uh, supports you and your efforts and other representatives, we would like to see this at least get a hearing and move forward if uh, if you're so inclined.
6: Yeah, that's probably not going to happen, okay and uh, um, I don't think the bill is productive uh, and and it doesn't uh, help improve our salmon runs and uh, uh, I think we need to focus on on working together. And uh, um, sitting, getting in the room and all working as salmon advocates to improve all fisheries. And I don't think this bill uh, helps
5: that. Okay. Fair enough. Well, hey, thank you for your time. So that is Representative
4: Brian Blake. That would be the point. And so now a counterpoint. uh, You've mentioned uh, Liz Pike previously, Mm Dwayne. But as mm -hmm. as we we promised, we'll do the, the other side of it. So joining us this morning is Liz Pike. Liz, good morning. Good morning. So so I guess I, we're just going to just throw this out there, um, since the, the title of this whole idea is, is Point and Counterpoint, and, and we'd just like to hear your thoughts, first of all, about, about uh, the bill as it is proposed, and I guess uh, w- what you may have just heard uh, from, from Mr. Blake.
7: Well, first of all, thank you for being on your show, and I, I very much uh, appreciate the opportunity to tell my side of the story. And I do want to start out with, I have uh, great respect for my colleague and friend, Brian Blake from the 19th district. We we represent neighbor districts in here in Southwest Washington, and we agree on pretty much a lot of issues that we debate in Olympia, except for this one. Right,
5: right, yeah. (laughs) But
7: he's a good guy, and I love him like a brother. Yeah, he's a friend.
5: I mean, he comes on this show, Liz, and you know, and I can call him up or go sit in his office and chat about all different things relative to fisheries and. The fact he's willing to come on here, knowing going into it he opposes it, when understanding our audience as you mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I give him a lot of credit for jumping on. I always appreciate and respect him for what he does. So that being said, yeah. let's kind of let's kind of reel this into the the vision you and uh, your constituents there in the House of Representatives have as you've drafted this bill and now have presented it basically a second time. Uh, you know what, what what your ultimate goal here is?
7: Well, my ulti- first of all, I'd like to just. Uh Talk about some of the things that Representative Blake mentioned. He mentioned that uh, House Bill 1229 isn't necessary. I think it is necessary because our recreational anglers are are the ones that contribute the biggest chunk of money to DFW's operating budget Mm -hmm. each year. So it has a huge impact on DFW's budget and not to mention the downline economic impact. Economic uh, engine that recreational fishing provides for all of our communities and especially rural communities where a lot of our rivers, our fishing rivers are in this state. You know, uh, King County is booming, but a lot of parts of the state have been left behind, still suffering from the recession. And when these recreational anglers get an opportunity to fish, they buy $50,000 boats, they buy $60,000 or trucks, boats, you name it. They buy tackle. They buy uh, snacks. They fill those tanks of their boats and their trucks with gas. Mm-hmm. There is a huge... The, actually, the, the, the economic impact to the state is far greater than the revenue of the fishing licenses. Right. So, so recreational priority doesn't just allow people to catch more fish to feed their families. It also provides jobs for our communities. And the other thing, too, is um, with more recreational priority, we'd actually have additional revenue coming into DFW so that we can do a lot of the things that Representative Blake and I agree on that needs to be done, like modernizing our state's hatcheries, Mm -hmm. uh, building new hatcheries, increasing hatchery production. Think about how so many people fly over the state of Washington to – to recreational fish in Alaska, because Alaska is this big fishing destination. Mm -hmm. We could be, we should be the fishing capital of the West Coast, of the world Mm -hmm. perhaps, because of our beautiful, pristine rivers and our wonderful uh, natural environment. There's so many things for families to do when they visit our states, uh, both Oregon and Washington, uh, around fishing trips. So I think... We are missing an, a great opportunity to capture tourism dollars. And also, by creating a world-class fishery here, we we will have other people from other states and other parts of the world funding our DFW through their out-of-state fishing licenses. Right. And the other thing that I want to mention, too, and I, I hope we have time, but I am so disappointed in Oregon Governor Kate Brown's decision uh, to um, appoint a former Gilmet industry lobbyist, Bruce Buckbaster, to right. Oregon's commission. And I'm sure you mm. folks are all aware of their decision last Friday, um, which I think was kind of a slap in the face to the thousands and thousands of recreational anglers, not just from Washington, but also from Oregon, that they, all the stakeholders made a deal back in 2012 that they were going to charge a, what amounts to just about a $10 salmon uh, tax. I call it a salmon tax, but it was the salmon endorsement fee Mm -hmm. to fish on the lower Columbia, which is the part of the state that I represent. And they were promised that January 1st, 2017, if they paid this new tax on their license for three years, that these Columbia River reforms of removing the gillnets permanently from the lower Columbia would take place. And Oregon has not only gone back on that deal, they have basically made a decision last Friday night, a week ago, to allow Gill nets permanently, and so that makes this bill even more necessary to me. That and, decision.
4: And Liz, we're gonna we're gonna finish this with a, we we have a, a gentleman here in the studio who who lives in one of the small towns you talked about, Bob. The the the, the economic impact of, of a place like Forks, Washington, of the sport fishing world. I mean, it, I, I don't even think you can overestimate that, can you? No, not even close. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, you you've lived there for how many years?
6: Uh, Thirty-one.
4: Yeah, and and the number of people who who arrive in Forks, Washington, because of the fisheries there is is it's you can't even guess the number.
6: No, it's a lot of them. But like mm-hmm. like those kind of things, like this particular fall, mm-hmm. we didn't have a a fall salmon season. Mm-hmm. It cost our community, I don't know I even mean, how much money, a lot of mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. I know, like the the sporting goods store there in town, mm-hmm. he said for a month and a half. Well, they're in a month and a half. They lost sixty thousand dollars in sales. One shop. Just, that's that's one just retailer. one store. One retailer. Sixty thousand dollars of people that would go in there to buy tackle and mm-hmm. to buy stuff. Ten thousand
5: a week. Yeah, you know, roughly. So, yeah, I guess uh, the question would be moving forward, Liz. What uh, what do you and your uh, constituents need to do to to draft a bill that's going to get on Representative Blake's lap that he's going to allow to have a hearing? I the process is frustrating for us folks outside the realm of Olympia, Mm -hmm. looking in to see that like-minded folks such as yourself recognize the economic benefits and, and how important recreational fishing is in the state of Washington and look at our neighbors at Oregon and what's going on. And yet you draft a bill that prioritizes recreational fishing for all the reasons forementioned, and yet it lands on the lap of one individual, very much like the Columbia River decision coming out of Oregon came down to a couple folks that were like minded that took it in the negative. So here we have something that looks extremely positive, and yet it falls short because Representative Blake won't allow it to pass forward. What do we need to do if you can summarize well, it in about thirty seconds?
7: I think citizens from both states need to draft an a citizen initiative at the optimum time and put this before the voters of both states and because I think that there is broad support for a uh, priority and for getting rid of the nets off of our rivers. It, it just, it's all about conservation of our mm-hmm. endangered salmon and steelhead. And until we remove those nets off the river, we are not going to see um, adequate conservation to save these wild fish for future generations. So I think that's the only answer. Let's put it to the citizens because there is a roadblock in both state legislators, legislatures to, um, stop these kinds of priority bills. Um, so I think that's the only way out is the the voters of this both states, Oregon and Washington, we can solve this.
5: Well, then I will be calling you and, and we will come mm-hmm. down and sit in your office and talk about drafting this and how we move forward to this process and take it to the people and let them speak. So that's some pretty sound advice that, that gives me some hope. Liz, uh, thank you oh.
4: very much for your time. Very, very much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, thanks, thanks to both individuals for that yeah. particular time, of course, and we had to kind of cram that into kind of a short, uh, short time period. There it is. Uh, but bottom line is that you know the prioritization of of fishing is, I mean, of of all of the issues that we have in front of us over the next six months, it's mm-hmm. it's near the top, if not the top.
5: Well, I mean, we're talking, you know, the the open door meeting uh, act that we're looking forward mm-hmm. to, and it's not going to happen. And we're talking about this Columbia River stuff, and now we even have. Uh, <laughs> discussions in the wind about possibly Governor Inslee looking at replacing some of our folks on the commission so Mm -hmm. that they would Mm -hmm. be more pro- commercial fishing we have a lot of things that are very concerning and this is one that's going to hang in the wings there until we as the people kind of come together and make something happen so all right we're done with politics for we the morning. are done and with the politics when we yeah. come back we will have the the oregon crowd here in
4: studio and sitting yes. at the table we've got some some fisheries to look forward to of course i mean spring chinook season is right around the corner oh man steelhead right now in the tillamook system areas let's uh, break when we come back oregon right here on sports radio 950 kjr and comcast sports that northwest Northwest
8: Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR.
4: Saturday morning. The All-Star Show continues. We're already like three-quarters of the way done, Dwayne. Can you believe that? Comes and goes quickly, doesn't it? We never have enough time. So the the, West, uh, the Washington Sportsman Show goes on, starts uh, doors open at, I believe, 10 o'clock this morning, correct?
5: Yes, today is the long day.
4: 10 a.m. and to course, eight, 8 p.m. Everyone you see here in studio will be present uh, for mm-hmm. that particular. Mm-hmm. For that
5: particular.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
5: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Haha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office, more than once actually. Do I have to say?
3: Yes, you do.
0: In the car before my kids' PTA meeting.
3: Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win in tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots Play for free
4: right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Show if you have any you know ideas or thoughts or whatever. Come come say hello to the crowd. We've got the the Oregon gang here. I guess you would say. And and um, of course you know with our courtesy of, of our Comcast signal, we have a you know bunch of folks are watching in the Portland area. And we've talked to, to the, the two of you guys, Brand, uh, Brandon and Jack, about the the Sandy and the Clackamas and Cody. You as well that particular fishery and, and the dynamic of having uh, a, a viable steelhead option in the middle of a city cannot be overspoken because God knows we don't necessarily have that around here. Hmm. We're a little bit jealous of it. But the bottom line is that, as you talked about earlier, right. Jack, I mean, you're kind of waiting for conditions to set up. But, I mean, I think it's I think it's set up now, correct? It's time. You know yeah. We yeah. should be
2: down there. But we're at the show because we yeah. enjoy <laughs> doing this. has mm-hmm. a nice program here. They do a good deal. We're glad to see that. But, yeah, I'm hearing catching going on. And now the ice has all gone away. Coccumus and Sandy is going to be have a lot of fish around it yeah. all the way through mid-March. we get a good long fishery in those systems.
4: And so then from there, we lead into Spring Chinook as well. So so basically, if you live anywhere in the Portland area, you have opportunities over the next handful of
3: months that, that are as good as anything you'll see anywhere in the country, correct? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you got the Oregon Coast right now that's really going mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and uh, that has a phenomenal late spring steelhead fishery. Then uh, it goes right into spring salmon there. It's, you know, it she starts around uh, May for that, but... Right here in downtown Portland, we have the steelhead season's going to go all the way through March, and in a little bit of April, and you got summer steelhead starting to show up. But at the same time, you have the the crossover the spring chinook. So at all times here in the Portland area, you have something you can really go fish for every day, which is really nice.
2: We're fortunate as guides down that area because we have year round fishing. We can fish for something all the time, so it's pretty nice. And then we got sturgeon, you know, we catch and release on those. You know, some good opportunity on that. So you know, and
3: that's something that no one really yeah. actually really talks about much anymore. But mm-hmm. is taking mm-hmm. youth. Take them out there, and you know these kids are going to pull on fish every yeah. day. If you go out and do these sturgeons, and they're great fish still; they're really nice, healthy fish. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities in the, um, you know, right in downtown Portland. Right.
2: Just no retention on them, but yeah. they're great for catch and release.
4: Freshwater marlin,
2: Freshwater there you <laughs> go. marlin. yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah.
4: perfect. So, Cody, you have another, uh, you have another classroom session scheduled, I believe. Do you not?
8: Yep, uh, for the spring Chinook, mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. Mm-hmm. We actually have four events planned. You know, last year was our first year of doing those conventions, and we learned a lot. And honestly, to see that every single one of them sold out mm-hmm. was
4: mm-hmm.
8: great. I mean, I, I can't, I'm still kind of in shock at how successful they were. But They shouldn't
4: be. They're great.
8: It's, it's been, the, the setup, the way that we have these things scheduled and built out, it's actually coming together quite well. And we do have one for Spring Cheneau coming up here, I believe it's March 10th and 11th. 11th and 12th. 11th and 12th, that's what it is. Yep, that's Saturday, Sunday. So we're going to be doing the first day in the classroom, second day on the water again. And uh, you and Cameron Black both need to make sure you keep up with what you did last year because we had a class and they actually got a couple they springers. Got fish, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was awesome. It was really cool. Well, you know
5: that being your first one. And then in succession, <laughs> the the like you said, they all sold out, Cody. I mean, credit to you and, and the cast of characters that you pull in that put on the presentations that you all provide. Uh, you know, I obviously came down attended a few of them, hung out, said hi yeah. to folks and learned a ton myself. but. Everybody in that room is either on their iPad, their phone, on their notepad, on their electronic device, or handwriting for the old guys. Either or, they're taking tons of notes, taking pictures of the slide presentations on your PowerPoints. I mean, it's just a wealth of knowledge in that room, even for all these young guys, what they're bringing forward. And and like the buoy 10 fishery, that was so well uh, attended, and the information there, uh, you could not stress safety enough. And you think you start talking safety shangle in a room mm-hmm. full of fishermen and people are going to sleep? No. Mm-hmm. They're recognizing buoy 10, uh, going out over the bar and all the things. When you get the Coast Guard standing up there talking to you about safety out at buoy 10, yep. again, everybody's taking notes and paying attention. So it's not just the how-tos and the where's and things. You're covering everything relative to these seminars in, in yeah. on point for the things that are important. So you're doing a tremendous job, man. Well,
8: thank yeah. you. Yeah, we're, we're trying to grow this a bit more. So this year we're going to have the Spring Chinook one, and then we're going to have in April at the end of the month one for kokanee. Oh, we're yeah. we grow that a little bit. And then, of course, the buoy 10, and then in the wintertime a winter
3: steelhead one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, good what's, stuff. What's really awesome that Cody's brought up, up here is the, the two-day deal where you get one day in the classroom. The second day, you're actually on the water. Yeah, That's, that's the that kicker. That is so critical for people to put two and two together. Yeah. When you can have it hands-on, touching it, feeling it, smelling it, hearing it, that is so much easier for people to grasp all the information. And the buoy 10 one, we actually took people across these sandbars. Yeah. yeah. And they got... They got their uh, GPS plotter. They're plotting it as they went across their tracks. It's I mean, on the wild. Everybody country boat. that, that ever yeah. <laughs> I followed did, Brandon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, right. Was, everybody I mean, that did that said that that yeah. right, was the best part of the entire thing because they felt they had, um, you know, all the confidence to go out there and not get in trouble. Yeah, and that's a huge deal when you're going you are go. You bet there. it is. Oh, it's how many boats? The biggest deal on the sandbar this yeah, last year. There was it was several, uh, several, yeah. a couple dozen boats yeah. in the sandbars. It mean, always is. They're always every year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, count- you
5: could you could go down there and sit in the classroom and take in all this oh, information, yeah. and it could be a day one deal like most seminars, and mm-hmm. you're going to walk away with a with a ton of knowledge, sure but then it's all you about bet. the application, mm-hmm. and buoy 10 is no, nothing to mess around no. with, no. and so <laughs> you go out there with these guys, and you, you get in your parade of boats, and you follow them around, we're all on the same radio channel on the VHF, yeah. and we'd stop, pull up at a spot, Brandon would start talking, or Cody, whoever they had in their group. And just uh, spelling it out, and we get that habitat trail laid out on your electronics, and it was it was it was a step above what anybody else has presented. Classroom
4: for. work has always been kind of a standard for seminars and so forth, but it's always been missing the lab work. I mean, the we've always had one
5: component yeah. that hasn't quite
4: been there, and you guys have you guys have kind of stepped it up with that. It's oh, doing a great job now, now. Kyle's Fisheries, as we move. A little bit further south, let's talk about your schedule. So we're looking at, we're looking. you fish, you know, buoy Tan, you do some things right. with this as well, but let's go ahead and look at some of the other fisheries that you fish as well.
0: Well, I, I'm on the coast right now, which is nice yeah. central coast, and the Oregon coast is great. we got great fishing, lots of fish. Big fish. Opportunity, Big fish. no yeah. closures, which is nice. And, uh, <laughs> and you kind of rubbed that in. I had yeah. to get that little yeah, dig in a little there. Dig there. there no, yeah. All <laughs> that being said, we have no rain in the forecast, and that unquad is going to happen. So yeah. when I get back from here... It's that, and we have a a tournament coming up there, and that's a fundraiser for the hatchery program.
5: Biggest river Chinook you've landed or helped a client land?
0: Uh, 38 pounds last year on the Umqua. How about steelhead? How about steelhead? How about steelhead? What's
5: the biggest steelhead you've handled
4: on Uh, that river?
0: It was an Oregon twenty. You know? <laughs> it was actually a thirty-nine and a half inch or yeah. about twenty-three wide.
4: Nice. The reason I asked that is because that particular system is one that is that is well known as as being I mean, some of the some of the biggest fish south of of the Kenai. Frankly, I mean, I mean, there are, there are fish in there that people are just like, are you right. kidding yeah, me? I'm, right.
0: I'm quite. We did a forty-one incher once. Wow. Um, way high. That was big. But, mm-hmm. um, no scale or anything. Sure, right. You
8: guys get massive spring chinook down there too. Bit Yeah.
0: And, oh, I mean, incredibly we're seeing like 10,
8: 12 pound brats on the Columbia. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I'm seeing pictures of 30 plus it's tough. springers yeah. down there. Spring
4: we're, anch-
0: we're anchored all day for two bites, and those two bites could be big. Um, it's fun.
4: Yeah? <laughs> I <like laughs> yeah. It. I mean, so your program, you do the Sayuslaw You do, I mean, run us through all the rivers that you fish.
0: I'm on the Siletz most of the time. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Sayuslaw in the fall, month of September, October. Then I transition back to the Siletz. Down to the Elk and Sixes in the November month. And then December, we kind of lay low, get ready for Steelhead. And Umquas Siletz, and then come March. I'm going to be a little more open this year, not throw all the chips for springers, and I might be doing into April winter steelhead, which is a gem on the Oregon coast. Man. Weather's great. Big fish.
8: um, No crowds. A lot less people.
0: crowds and lots
5: of fish. That's because everybody's thinking springers. Yeah. You talk to Herzog, you go out um, to the coast and to Bobby, you know, out to the coast in April on the rivers that are still open through April and... They become somewhat of a ghost town in some regards on days because everybody's got springer on the mind. Mm-hmm. Best so. days of
0: my life were the last week of March. Yeah. And we, on the sluts, we have a year-round fishery, so we can have summer fish or winter fish, and and uh, it's nice.
5: So. Nice to have options.
4: Yeah, it is. So you also do uh, Winchester Bay, correct?
0: Winchester Bay, very small window in okay. August. This year I'll probably extend it more, probably to about the middle of August, and then mm-hmm. see how the buoy 10 season works up. But Booy, uh Winchester Bay's been tough last couple. Of years. Mm. We've had how about a
4: real, how about the McKenzie?
0: I do it in the summer. Okay. Um, spring Chinook, we get all those fish coming up to Willamette. Well, I don't know we're not expecting nothing big this year, but those fish do neck down there, and it's a back bounce fishery, pretty good fish.
5: Mm. you know they're
0: they're a little bronzed up, but they're cutting great.
5: Hes all over the place. Go take a look at his website. A I mean, options. really great website. Well, and then there's the outfitting side of Kyle. That owl, you really don't. Right. I mean, the hunting. <laughs> yeah, is. that's right. Follow that. On. Are yeah, you kidding we do me? Bighorn sheep. Which yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: About yeah. it. We 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 took a step back from elk due to land issues, but yeah. the sheep is a big thing. Right.
5: right. Still got that going on. So. Just don't go wrecking your truck again. You'll be fine. <laughs> <that. She laughs> don't all that. All right, let's yeah. take
4: one more break. We're going to go ahead and kind of open this last segment up a little bit. We're going to have, I guess, you would call it a free for all. Sure. Not sure who's going to end up at the microphones physically
5: but, uh, or just uh, probably.
4: Yeah. Probably get a little rowdy in here. Big Jared hasn't had a chance to. sit He the has not. Yet, now you're talking about free for all. That's right. The Big Jared, in. uh-huh, indeed. <laughs> Street rap coming. Let's okay. take a break. Uh, we have we have literally hundreds of texts here. Of course, the the, the lamb glass rod. I think we. We've probably f- had the answer to that 50 times over bottom line is that we will mm-hmm. give that away to somebody here in this segment and of course you know, the phones are open if you have a question 800-829-0950-206-286-9595 286 you are listening to the all-star show here on sports radio 950 kjr northwest wild
8: country on seattle sports radio 950 kjr
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Down here, also going on, way now we have the uh, the Great Seattle Boat Show as well.
5: Uh, actually, yeah, the boat show is going on. You know, a handful of guys in this room actually are heading to the boat show after this mm-hmm. before they mm-hmm. get to the Peel Sportsman Show when they're done with the Northwest Wild Country Show. So, uh, yeah, just a handful of shows going on. But yeah. the boat show, hey, uh, stop by and check out the entire inventory I have our good buddies there at the Waypoint Marine Group display. Sales staff is on hand. Shangle, they answer all questions relative to Honda Marine outboards from the 2.3 to 250 horsepower. Also, get great, uh, get ready for spring and summer with the Avalon pontoon boat specials. Good for fishing and entertaining with Honda Marine power packages available on those as well. Lots of other fishing pleasure boats. Of course, all are available with Honda outboard power packages. And be sure to ask about... The Honda True 5-Year Warranty, which is fully transferable and non-declining. Seattle Boat Show, through February 4th, located at Century Lake Field Event Center. Cody Herman, that's where you'll be heading. When Just a uh, couple up. hours. Yeah, yeah. So One
4: of the questions here was, uh, I know these guys all have things to do at the show, and I know that Dwayne gets up hella early, but who got the least amount of sleep <laughs> last night? Any question uh, Who got the least amount of sleep? Brandon I, I is I raising his bed. hand. Yeah,
8: yeah, it was probably Brandon.
5: How many hours? Two and, took, and a half hours. A two and a half hour. Oh, night. Nice. Uh-huh. Brand, a Brand is one of these guys who just—I mean—wakes up in the morning. Well, and he probably that. had a date, you know, at midnight. <laughs> I'm sure.
6: Do you know, in the histi- history of wild country since I've ever been here. This is the most sleep I ever got before a show. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> He's excited. I'm talking yeah, seven and a half hours of solid sleep, man. I, I woke up and just started sprinting around the room. I had nothing <laughs> else to do. <laughs> pent up yeah. energy. And speaking of sprinting around the room in entertainment, yeah. this one riding in the truck up here, I, I'm here to tell you, if you have 20 minutes to spend, sit there with this guy.
4: Mm-hmm. That's 9,000 words, 20 mm. minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how many you it, fit into your uh, your seminar on the Big River, 9,000 words? Yeah, pretty 9, much. Words?
1: You, you, you don't want to write. You can't keep up that fast. But mm-hmm. you do want to take some sort of recording device because that will help you understand it later when you Noah. slow it down. <laughs> mm.
4: <laughs> we haven't had a chance to, to talk about uh, these items you've got in front of, your, front of you right there. And Buzz brought those in. Let's let's jump into the 4.0 a little bit. I mean, Jared, you first. Buzz, join, join in anytime you want to.
1: Uh, Maglip 4.0, you know, it's new this year. We uh, Buzz and I have been working on this series, you know, um, since I got there. Buzz had started before I got there, and I was fortunate enough to jump in on this and, again, hit the nail on the head. I mean, you see this thing in the water, and you're like, dude, again? Really? Really? It's better than the last one? I mean, it's as good or better every time we do one. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that that's all his education right there, and I got to jump in on that and learn from that. That's It's way cool. Way cool.
4: So I got to tell you, one of the things that I've done over the past handful of years with this old bass patrol is I've been involved in a fair amount of of, of the creation of baits and so forth. Mm. And nobody does it exactly like this gentleman right here. I'm here yeah. to tell you. I mean, I mean, and we're, I'm talking about big nationally known crankbait names who don't do it exactly like Buzz does.
1: Not at all, you know. And when I was a kid, I'm thinking, man, I want to test fishing lures for a living. This is the coolest thing ever. You're I'm still a dance. kid, <laughs> I, I'm by the still way. A giant <laughs> kid. Yes, I'm a kid with a credit card. But um, you know, I, I wanted to do that. But I thought it was just casting lures, catching fish, smiling for pictures, yay! But okay. I was wrong. But once I learned all the hard work that it puts into it, and how important it is to get it right, now I can take one of these baits to anybody in the U.S. and say, "No, dude, just add water." It's just that, how do you fish it? Just add water. It's that simple. Put it in the water, catch fish.
4: Buzz. Now, so we have this latest edition of the Maglip. I mean, how much, how much adjustment and work does it take? I mean, you already have sort of the, the the basic mold of of the bait itself. I mean, how much? How long did it take to get to this final product?
2: Uh, we've been working on this size through the prototype phase and everything for a couple of years. Couple years, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a big deal because mm-hmm. our goal for the consumer, of course, is to come out with a lure, uh, the idea behind the entire Maglip series, and, and really everything within the Yakima bait line anymore is to uh, either create or improve existing products to the point where any angler can purchase them, take them out of the package, tie them on the the line, cast them out, they work, they catch fish. That's the idea. And with plugs... That has not always been the case in the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. plugs need tuning prior to being able to fish them, or maybe the design isn't quite right where they don't have a lifelike action that really produces as well as maybe is one that does. Uh, a couple things unique about Maglip, uh, all, all of every size, which is now from a 2.5 all the way to 5.0, mm-hmm. or two and a 2.5-inch to 5-inch, is that is that these lures, they have a, a lively wiggle in the water. But they also have a skip, what we call a skip beat action, where they'll dart to the side. It's comparable to teasing a cat with a ball and string, mm-hmm. where that lure is, has a steady action, but it, it's darting around, and uh, the fish thinks it's trying to get away, and so they pounce. And, uh, and so we find that this, they produce harder strikes, uh, better hooked fish. A lot of times it plugs down their throat. They're really trying to get it, and, uh, and that's what we've designed. Of course, Maglip's deep diving, and that's designed as, as a trolling lure. Some casting application, but uh, but mostly a trolling lure. The new four O size, the, the one we're introducing here at the show, mm-hmm. first time they've been on for sale anywhere is here at the Puyallup Sports Show, uh, and several retailers have them there. This lure, of course, being four inch, is designed for trophy steelhead, spring chinook, fall chinook, and you know, all your salmon species. And uh, we're excited about this one. It's got a li- for those Maglip users that are out there. This plug has a little wider wiggle, dives deep. We're saying eighteen feet, but oh. Frankly it'll dive as deep as four point five and uh, and it's uh, it's it's the real deal. I mean this lure really works.
6: There are two people in the in the world that know how fish think Buzz Ramsey and Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Mm-hmm.
1: Aquaman. We talk to yes. Aquaman about once a week, just for uh-huh. tips. Yeah, Aquaman.
4: (laughs) Also in front of you is a rather innocuous looking, it looks like a a fin. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about the the spreader, Jared.
1: So the free sliding spreader, this is something that, uh, you know, Buzz had worked with quite a bit uh, out at Bowie 10, trying to get it right. You know, there's some of these kind of similar on the market, but... Um, This one here uh, being being free sliding, you know, it's not a fixed rig. So you you don't have that where you you, you go to net the fish and you accidentally get the net or the, the lead ball in the net mm-hmm. and a fish jumps out and poof, you know, you break off, it's all done. So this one here is a free sliding and it also what it does is it keeps your gear about three and a half inches apart. So a lot of times when people are pulling their gear up out of the water, the first thing that happens is that lead ball swings across your main line and the fish flash, fish flash is spinning in the wind. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you got this great, big, beautiful tangle. And you know you, you've got to stop and fix that, and fishing last year with my with my son, he could pull it out of the water hanging it up in the wind, you know and and I wasn't fixing these tangles, and when he drops it in the water, it kind of rudders everything straight and gets it going for you um so it's just a benefit you know it, it makes everything much easier and we found that we could get rid of the bumper leader between the um you know your 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 swivel and your fish flash we can cut that leader completely out and basically just run the fish flash butt right up to this and it works great
5: they flat out work i used them last last year the whole season there at buoy 10 and, and other fisheries and they're just it's a great little device it uh, really alleviates any uh, headache tangles like jared's talking about for first-time folks going out trying to figure out how to rig that dropper rig in any application, that spreader uh, slider is going to save you countless hours of untangles and reties. Absolutely. And for the guy that wants to fix, uh,
1: you know, rig it fixed too, it's it's got both options. So you can rig it free sliding or fixed. You know, I mean, if you want to, you're plunking, or you're going to want to back bounce maybe with it, or you know, if you're just
2: trolling, you want, you want it free, you, you can run it as a slider. It Item is. number three. It is, it is a little unique because, you know, at first glance, it looks like a rudder. Mm-hmm. It might, might come on a lake troll. It's yeah, really yeah. not that. It's right, a spreader, and it's rigged. Uh, some people might look at that and think you rig the narrow end forward or towards your rod tip. But mm-hmm. You actually rig it the other way. So the straight edge, the long edge, is towards your rod. Forward. And there's an arrow on there in case listeners mm-hmm, don't remember. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that way when you pull it out of the water, like Jared mentioned, you've got three and a half inches of spread there. Yeah. It really works.
1: And what else you got there? Oh, little salmon
2: spinners. Yeah. Um, Buzz, you want to jab around these? Well, this is, uh, you know, Hildebrandt is known for their quality blades. Mm-hmm. High, you know, uh, ra- all the blades are, uh, that, that are plated are rack plated, so they're not, you know, there's rack plating and there's tumble plating. Rack plating is where they're tied down, and uh, they don't rub on anything when they're being plated, so they're premium polished, premium plating and polishing on the Hildebrandt blades. Yakima Bait is mostly sold blades. And a lot of anglers in Northwest use Hildebrandt blades because of the quality and the shape and the vibration they produce. We're now making a made-up spinner. Uh, and these are really designed around spinner use with the rotating flashers, where you can't use too big of a spinner because the, the pull of the spinner in the water uh, will not allow it to dart and have kind of that skip beat action behind your flasher. So this is small. Three and a half is the size. It comes in a squid version. And this... Most squids you might rig on a spinner would have too much drag, and they uh, would—they're not—they're going to detract from that pulsating action. This one is a Yoshida squid, real thin. Yep, it works with a rotating flasher, and the other one, of course, just has a standard tubing rig up. But these uh, these are designed for that. And uh, so
4: Hildebrand is in the game. You can see these at the Yakima Bay booth, of course. Cody, you've got like a limited edition T-shirt going on there. What's what's your story with that?
8: Well, uh, you know, Jared and I both we. We're huge fans of Northwest we Wild Country.
5: we like have 30 seconds, so hustle. So let's, oh, uh... for crying out loud.
8: <laughs> Jared.
5: Thanks, fellas. I knew that was coming. You like that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is your local firefighter serving oh, you proudly yeah. on my shirt well, right here. Hashtag number one fan.
5: For fortunately, the cameras went off about two minutes ago. So. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. we're gonna, oh no! We will we'll, we'll have to post it. Up. You're gonna wear those around the show. We'll wear these to the show. Oh, just for yeah, those folks that's that want to see us and Sign them. <laughs> Everybody's so got a pass. <laughs> that's uh,
4: that's going to do it for us uh, this morning. Of course, <laughs> these guys will all be around the show for the weekend. Uh, you know, go go visit Man. everyone who was here. If you want information about anything at all that we've spoken about and a lot of things that we didn't get to best time it's, it
5: was great to have every one of you guys appreciate I know it's an early morning I know it's a busy show but it's uh, it's been it's been good to see you guys it's been a good time appreciate everybody getting up early and coming yeah. in that was a lot of valuable information can't thank you enough yeah, thank we'll you Wayne,
4: for not throwing anything at me well we'll see you all next week same all time right. right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win